You're listening to the Gov Future Podcast, highlighting discussions and insights around innovative technology impacting the public sector. Hear from experts working with and inside the government on ways that technology is shaping the future of the public sector. On this episode, we interview Stacey Marovich and Jennifer Cornell, who are with CDC's National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, NIOSH. They'll share their work using AI for the industry and occupation computerized coding system, as well as insights into how public health departments are making advancements with transformative technologies, such as AI and advanced analytics, and ways to balance the need for transparency with protecting private information. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to the Gov Future podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ron Schmelzer, and we hope you've been really enjoying a lot of our interviews. we got a lot scheduled for you, so if you haven't yet subscribed to the Gov Future podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Amazon Music, Google, whatever you listen to, we really encourage you to do so uh, because we got so many queued up. And if you're really new to the Gov Future podcast, really want to welcome you all because this is really a great place to hear directly from government innovators, folks who are putting new and advanced technology into place in the public sector from artificial intelligence to automation, analytics, and big data, and cloud, and cyber, and things that have to do with IT modernization, and maybe even a little quantum here and there. Uh, This is a great podcast to hear from those folks, not just the folks who are building the technology, but also implementing it. So I do really encourage you, as mentioned, to stay tuned to everything we're doing here and hear about how governments are adopting and adapting transformative technology and conversations that we're going to have with key key topics focused on helping helping our listeners, you and GovFuture members, learn the latest innovations and best practices to stay ahead of innovation in the public sector. So for those of you that aren't familiar with our GovFuture community, GovFuture is the fastest growing community of government innovators, and you can learn more at GovFuture.com. On our podcast, we try and bring a variety of you know people from different backgrounds, different agencies, so that they really can... Uh, and our listeners can get kind of, you know, a broad overview of what's going on in the entire public sector space, because that is what we are doing. We are looking to bring the entire e- the entire ecosystem together of government innovators. So for today's podcast, we're so excited to have with us Stacey Marovich and Jennifer Cornell, who are with CDC's National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, NIOSH. So welcome, Stacey and Jennifer. We're so excited to have you on our podcast today. Thanks so much, Kathy. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, we're excited to be here. Thanks. Thanks for uh, hosting us. Yeah. And yeah. And for anybody that was able to make our May 2023 GovFuture Forum event, you may have seen Stacey and Jennifer there. So we will have them do a little bit of a recap. And then that also is available on our site that we will link to in the show notes as well. So you can check out what they demoed there. And Stacy was on the panel. But we'd like to start by having you introduce yourself today to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at the CDC. Stacy, we'll start with you and then Jennifer will follow up with you. Great. Thank you. Um, yeah. So my name is Stacy Marovich. I'm a lead health informatics scientist with the CDC um, NIOSH, National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. Um, I'm the IT team lead in the health informatics branch within the Division of Field Studies and Engineering. And I'm also the project officer for the NIOCS, 
project, which is our NIOSH industry and occupation computerized coding system, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I've been with NIOSH for a little over 20 years now. Um, and I, I kind of came from the IT side and kind of fell into the, the health informatics part of it. Um, so with that, I'll, I'll, I'm joined by my colleague, Jennifer Cornell. So I'll turn it over to you, Jennifer, to give a quick intro of yourself. Thank you, Stacey. My name is Jennifer Cornell. I'm a technical information specialist with NIOSH. I'm also a part of the IT team and NIOX project in the health informatics branch within the Division of Field Studies and Engineering. Um, I oversee the workflow for existing NIOX projects and our professional industry and occupation coding team. I've been with, with NIOSH about three and a half years. Uh, I have a legal background, but it's really exciting to be in public health and part of all this innovative work. So thank you. Well, fantastic. Well, one of the great things that we saw demoed at the May Gut uh, Future Forum that Kathleen talked about was a really interesting auto coding system. And it's interesting because this idea of auto coding comes up quite a bit. So at the uh, May 2023 Gut Future Forum, you demoed the NIOSH Industry and Occupation Computerized Coding System, NIOX. So uh, maybe you could provide a high level explanation of what this is. And of course, with auto coding comes this idea of artificial intelligence and machine learning. So this is the exciting part. So I, I, I know one of you wants to get started here and talk a little bit about what you demoed and maybe give a little background and maybe even what was the motivation for, for the project and where you got started? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, so I'll, I'll take that one. So yeah, our NIOX tool, we call it NIOX for, for short. Um, so it was developed by CDC NIOSH. Um, it's been around for a little over 10 years now. Um, and we're currently on our fourth kind of major major version of the system. So um, what the system does is it translates industry and occupation text data into standardized code so that it, they can be used for you know research and analysis purposes. Um, and it's it's free and it's publicly available on the on the web. Um, so anyone can use it. And our latest version also uses uh, machine learning, which I'll explain about uh, further. But, you know, essentially NIOX provides an easy way to modernize information systems to enable rapid assessment of how people's jobs impact their health and safety by making coding of work-related data simple, fast, and consistent. Um, so for example, during uh, the COVID pandemic, NIOX was used to identify and study workplace outbreaks um, that I'm sure you recall hearing about in the news, like at meatpacking plants, healthcare facilities, schools, et cetera. Um, so the NIOX platform itself has multiple features. So we have features for coding batches of multiple records after data collection has occurred. So think of like survey data or vital statistics. Um, we also have capabilities for coding single records in real time as the data is being collected. Um, and we actually have a NIOX web API that can help facilitate that. Um, so as I mentioned, we are using, in our latest version, we're using machine learning to autocode industry and occupation uh, free text into codes. So the primary building blocks of the NIOX autocoder are word vectors and neural networks. So uh, just to kind of explain those quickly, uh, word vectors are used to encode text 
for use in machine learning algorithms by translating free text narratives into numerical values. So in this way, word vectors are an attempt to mathematically represent the meaning of words by clustering words as points in a multidimensional space arranged in accordance with the way their associated words are used. So points representing related words are spatially closer together and points representing unrelated words are spatially further apart. So uh, an industry and occupation example of this would be, you know, uh, you would expect to see word vectors for words like waiter and waitress, you know, close to restaurant. You would expect, you know, teacher and school to be closer together. But, you know, more unrelated words like construction and waitress, you know, you'd expect to see further apart uh, as word vectors. So as far as how the NIOX autocoder works at a high level, um, you input the industry and occupation free text. Um, and then we do some pre-processing uh, to clean the input data by removing, you know, some noise, non-content words like the, my, a. Um, and we also do uh, some correcting of some misspellings. Um, and, and then we, uh, the industry and occupation input text are each separately matched to a dictionary of known words and then converted to an industry phrase vector and an occupation phrase vector, respectively. Um, and just um, note that a phrase vector is, is really just the same concept as a word vector, only applied at a slier, slightly higher level um, to account for multiple words that um, that we you know see may see in the industry or occupation text. So then the these INO phrase vectors are then fed into two neural network models, one for industry and one for occupation, um, which have uh, been trained to classify industry and occupation categories. Um, and note that both the INO phrase vectors are input separately into each of these neural networks, so into the industry as well as the occupation neural network. And this is because the content of the industry phrase may impact the coding of the occupation phrase and vice versa. So an example would be something like if you had an occupation of secretary, the coding of secretary um, as an occupation will differ depending on you know what the industry phrase is. So if it's a law firm versus a hospital. Um, so then the NIOX autocoder outputs the predicted probabilities for all industry codes and all occupation codes for these text inputs. Um, and the autocoder returns the highest industry code and the highest occupation codes as outputs. So we've seen many benefits from applying machine learning methods to industry and occupation coding. Uh, first, coding speed has increased significantly. We can now autocode thousands of tens of thousands of records in just a matter of minutes. Um, the system also requires less manual maintenance and is more adaptable to changing trends in the job market to be able to recognize newer terms that pop up, you know, things like DoorDash, Uber, Lyft. Um, and this technique also results in improved coding uniformity by reducing the human factor that can lead to contradictory selections and all of these benefits increase CDC and others' ability to code more data for occupational safety and health research. Thanks.
Yeah, I can imagine that, you know, this is saving so much time, right? And probably maybe reducing errors, kind of keeping things uniform. So there's so many benefits that happen with this. But, you know, how are public health departments making advances with these transformative technologies? And maybe specifically, how are they adapting and using this NIOX in ways that either was predicted or ways you didn't predict. You know, one thing about putting this out there is that you, whenever you test it, because you've created it, sometimes you just assume people are going to use it in a certain way. And then it actually gets out there and they use it in a different way or in ways maybe you hadn't have thought of before. So can you share with us, you know, how it was used in ways that you had predicted and maybe in some unexpected ways? Thanks, Kathleen. I can take this one. Uh, Since the release of the latest version of NIOX, we've seen major advancements in the collection and coding of work data. And as Stacy mentioned, NIOX coding speed and capacity have increased significantly. I'll share a couple of examples from our public health department partners. One jurisdiction reported they used the NIOX web API extensively during their COVID-19 response. They coded their health data for weekly fatalities collected from workplace outbreaks and survey data. The outcome was a quick COVID-19 response. It reduced training time for new staff that were pulled in to, to help with the response and modernized high throughput, high quality INO. Another jurisdiction reported they use NIOX together real-time coded INO data on various communicable disease interview forms, and this made the rapid dissemination of essential workplace measures to local and tribal health departments possible. We anticipated jurisdictions would integrate the API as designed directly into their surveillance systems. The API branched out from COVID to begin collecting health data for other infectious diseases in use cases. So we were very uh, pleased to see that. A few positive outcomes we didn't predict included cross-checking of coding by our users. We have limitations on how much we can test because we only have access to our internal data So it's very, very valuable to have external validation. Another user uh, reviewed probability numbers, and this task was above and beyond what we expected. And then further, private entities and nonprofits use the API to collect standardized codes for workers' compensation data. We would love to see NIOX used more broadly in other scenarios beyond just public health, and we're excited to see where it goes. Thank you. Yeah, very exciting. You know, I think that's the interesting thing about all of these models. So people uh, see that these systems can automatically do things, especially when it's around language. And the reason why we get so motivated by that, whether it's chat GPT, answering some interesting questions, generating some great text and some responses that are really pretty amazing is because we speak. This is like the thing that humans do. We communicate, right? And when we see machines doing it, we're like, 
that's a pretty cool trick. You know, machines can can do the thing that humans can do with all the vagueness and the inconsistencies and the misspellings. And that is actually why, even though this is not a generative task, the things you're doing, it's more the analysis task and encoding is still very powerful because when you have a bunch of different people in different parts of the country with different, you know, uh, native language speaking capabilities, and they're all trying to type stuff the variations uh, of even humans are significant and machines have just traditionally been so literal. It's like, well, you typed pizza delivery. And then the other one says like, you know, a food delivery. These are very different things. We're like, okay, pizza delivery. It's the same thing. You know, why, why are you giving me this grief? It's because, you know, machines are little. So when we add these models, it, we we start to say like, oh, we can we can handle all this variability. It's very powerful, and we've seen many applications of this. And we've even even a couple of years ago, uh, some folks have been doing auto coding and many different applications. So it's really very neat, and I'm glad to see it in in public uh, sector. So this sort of brings up sort of the the next sort of question, which is of course, uh, you know, we're dealing with data. And uh, one of the challenges with AI is uh, it's an, it's basically a data-dependent system. Good data, good results. Bad data, bad results. And sometimes you can't guarantee any of this. And of course, we're dealing with all the other aspects of data, bias and ethics and fairness and transparency and privacy and all those sorts of things. So in your applic- in your world, and, and maybe it's more relevant or less relevant, You know, how do you balance some of those needs for transparency? Uh, the need to protect sensitive information, perhaps some of those data quality and bias issues when you're when you're dealing with these uh, advanced analytics and AI applications. Yeah, um, so th- it's definitely a challenge for us um, because you know much of the data that we deal with is health data. So you know there can be a lot of sensitivities around that, and um, with many of our projects, we also have. Um, fairly restrictive data use agreements that uh, constrain what we can do with the data or how long we can keep the data, et cetera. So there's challenges that that also poses to with our machine learning models and and training data and to be able to persist, you know, that that knowledge. Um, Although I will say for us um, with our program, you know, we tend to for the most part, just get the industry and occupation data elements without any other PII. So we don't tend to get, you know, other demographics like name, age, race, et cetera. Uh, so from that point, you know, we're not swimming in PII, but, you know, there's still some sensitivities there because even um, industry and occupation by itself can sometimes be considered PII either on its own or when combined with other demographic data. Um, or for instance, if you have an, think about if you have an occupation of mayor and you have city name in the industry, you know, that could be considered PII as well, just, just the industry and occupation on its own. So, you know, when we publish out our data to the public, you know, we, we ensure that there's no small cell size data that could be construed as PII. Uh, so we tend to, you know, aggregate up the data to higher levels rather than just posting the, the detailed data for, for that. Um, but, you know, I'll say as of right now, NIOX is really, it's just a tool that's used to code data. So it's not like, you know, we're not, um, deciding if someone gets a bank loan or if they're, you know, determining, you know, the type of medical care they get, it's not to that level, but, you know, down the road, you could, um, you know, we could see that if NIOX was expanded into more and more areas, you know, the, the stakes could become higher 
So for example, you know, NIOSH has been pushing for inclusion of work information in electronic health records. Um, so, you know, work is a key social determinant of health that should be collected because, you know, I think everybody agrees that work has a major impact on health and vice versa. You know, so it really should be prominent and available in EHRs, but currently work isn't consistently collected in medical records in a standardized way. So this is something that NIOSH is pushing for. And, you know, if that happens, coding of work data might possibly, you know, impact like clinical decision support or other areas of clinical care in the future. So it is it is something that we, we have thought about. Um, health equity is another key priority for CDC and NIOSH. So, you know, not all workers have the same risk of experiencing a work-related health problem, even when they have the same job. So, you know, looking at occupational health inequities is something that NIOSH um, is used for to facilitate research in this area and promote outreach and prevention activities to identify and reduce health inequities among workers. Um, so in the interest of diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, actually one of the next big things we're working on with NIOCs is to expand our machine learning approach to be able to recognize and code Spanish data, uh, which will allow Spanish-speaking workers to be more fully integrated into surveys and other surveillance and research studies to better assess their occupational health burden um, so that it can be documented, recognized, and um, or remediated. Um, and also, you know, we try to be transparent about how NIOX works because obviously it's, you know, um, what's going on under the hood is 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 pretty um, sophisticated. Um, you know, we have a, um, we're currently actually writing a manuscript that, you know, is going to talk in depth about our, our methodologies, um, how we applied auto coding to industry and occupation data, um, you know, how the system works so people have a better understanding of, you know, everything that goes into our processes for vetting our data. We have a team of professional data coders that, that we um, have in-house that that code and validate data from our coding projects that's then used to, to train our uh, machine learning models. So, so there, there's a lot going on, but, um, but yeah, um, you know, we, we're just trying to get the word out about Knox and get it as, as broadly adopted as possible. Well, perfect. And we'll definitely make sure to link to it in the show notes as well so that all of our listeners can go there. Now, I know you had talked about how eventually you want to get Spanish in there. What language is this coming in? Is it just coming in English or do you get Spanish coding as well? So right now um, we do get some amount of Spanish you know, data kind of commingled with the English data, especially from states or jurisdictions that have, you know, large Spanish speaking uh, populations. And, you know, right now the system, you know, it can obviously machine learning, you know, we are able to code more of that than we than we have been in the past with previous versions, but it's still not really tuned or designed to recognize and code Spanish. So that's something we'd, we'd like to, you know, enhance the system to be able to do. Um, and, and it would also open doors for us to code data from jurisdictions like Puerto Rico, where their data is collected natively in Spanish. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely something we've been wanting to do for, for a long time. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to, to being able to enhance the system to, to do that because it's, it's a very critical part of, like I said, our diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives and, and health equity. 
Thank yeah, you. and that's great to hear. I know that when we talk to other agencies as well, for example, if they have chatbots, they build it in English, but then they talk about you know wanting to expand to different languages, and Spanish is usually the second language that they will um, expand to, and that there can be some you know trickiness to that, right? Because you just have to make sure that you have enough data to train it, depending on if it's AI or not, and. Uh, you know, all of that that's involved in it. But it's great to hear that this is something that you are thinking about. Um, and maybe in version five, we'll have that. Who knows? <laughs> so, I mean, this was such a great podcast. We really enjoyed having you both at our event and this follow-up podcast where we could dig a little bit deeper into some of these questions. We like to end our podcast with the following question because we get such a diverse response. I think because people are able to bring their own background and knowledge into this, um, as well as just different perspectives. So what do you see or hope to see as the future of technology and innovation in the government? Currently at the CDC, there's a priority on data modernization that emphasizes better interoperability and faster data sharing to permit those actionable insights for decision-making. NIOX ties very nicely into this initiative by enabling the ability to code work data in real time at the point of collection, which recently, even a few years ago, seemed like an impossibility given the complexity of the information. And as you said, all the ways a person can describe their work information uh, in a free text box in just a couple of words. Another part of the data modernization initiative is to lift some of those constraints that Stacy talked about around infrastructure and available software tools, along with streamlining data use agreements. The future of technology and innovation in government, we believe hinges on upskilling existing staff, and hiring technology personnel. This includes ongoing, this includes an ongoing investment in data infrastructure and really recognizing the value of data for our mission, service, and the public good. Uh, the vision is to create one public health community that can engage robustly with healthcare, communicate meaningfully with the public, improve health equity, and have the means to protect and promote health. We hope to see NIOX as a vital part of the vision by enabling meaningful use of work data to identify patterns among groups of workers that can really be used to inform interventions to improve health outcomes. And that was the motivation behind the project. And that is our goal as we continue to enhance the system. All right. Thanks so much, Jennifer. And Stacey, we'd love to get your thoughts on that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, so I, I just, you know, think that we'd like to get the data coded as close to when it's collected as possible, kind of like what Jennifer uh, reiterated. And, you know, then basically I think then everyone kind of downstream in the data flow, you know, benefits from that. If, if the data can be Coded because obviously what we've seen with industry and occupation data, especially is because it is so complex, it's it either hasn't been collected at all or it's just been collected as as free text or you know in electronic he health records it's been kind of 
buried in in clinical notes and and you know in ways where it can't really be used in in meaningful ways. So um, you know, I think we've we've come a long way with with NIOCs and especially with the machine learning technology um, to be able to to make you know real time coding happen and uh, make that a reality. And you know, just so that obviously we're all about you know um, having people's work factored in because obviously like we spend, you know, the bulk of our waking hours are spent at work. So, you know, it obviously has a um, key impact on, on people's health. And we, we just really want to see that, um, you know, shine a light on that. And we, we did see that with COVID where, you know, it was emphasized and, um, you know, because of having NIOCs and, and luckily, you know, we were in a pretty good place uh, with the technology to be able to, um, you know, code the data. And, you know, so we're ready. Hopefully there won't be another pandemic anytime soon. But, you know, I feel like we're we're in a in a good place technologically to be able to handle, you know, to kind of scale up to code, code more data and code it faster and in ways that it can be used for for actionable insights. And, you know, but obviously, as you know, Jennifer alluded to, you know, we we do have some obstacles that we need to overcome, uh, particularly around resources, personnel, uh, finding and being able to hire, you know, good IT people or being able to upskill the, the, the existing staff that we already have. Um, but that is that, that those are areas that CDC, um, you know, is aware of and actively working, um, to kind of mitigate. So, you know, I think future's bright. It's, um, you know, I feel really good about where we are with NIOCs and, and what lays ahead. And, and we have, you know, a lot of um, exciting plans as, as we've kind of talked to. And, um, so, so yeah, it's, it's a, just a really exciting, exciting time and just really happy to be part of this project. That sounds great. Well, you know, one of the interesting things we've been talking about with some of our members of the Gov Future, uh, Gov Future membership community here, especially our Gov folks, is that there's a lot, there's more attention being put on some of these issues of data sharing, data harmonization, model sharing. And you'd think that actually that would be a super hot topic now, given that we're talking about AI and automation and big data and cloud and all sorts of stuff. But but interestingly enough, a lot of the conversation around like the data sharing in the government actually has quieted down quite a bit since uh, maybe its peak in, say, the early 2010s, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago when data.gov was a new thing and open data and open gov stuff was was like the, the popular movement. And that was mostly really about creating data and making data available and things like APIs and data downloads, which there definitely are more available. But now that we're starting to build these models and now that we're starting to do more interagency sharing and even sharing outside of the agency with other with other parties and partners, um, there's 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 desire now to say hey let's go let's let's re re uh, address a lot of those concerns here maybe the model that you guys built at NIOX can be shared with other agencies or other groups maybe other group people can contribute to it maybe there's an open source com- ability maybe there is maybe there isn't uh, we know there's some issues around data sharing and things like that that may prevent that but there may be opportunities here. So one of the things I'm going to point out to our listeners, especially if you're involved in the government innovator community interested in this conversation around perhaps bringing back some of these ideas or or surfacing more of these ideas around data sharing and data governance and data uh, standardization or harmonization, 
or data, sh- you know, model sharing and things like that. We'd love to have you join us. So go to govfuture.com slash join. Uh, for for Gov, we want as many folks to join us. This is not a uh, a push for like a, an expensive membership or anything like that. That's not the point. Especially a lot of our Gov and military folks can join at no cost. So you know, really, we want you to be part of this community. We want to address these very important uh, conversation points uh, that may not be as uh, sexy, I guess, as <laughs> as it is when there's other things getting uh, popular attention. So uh, with, without and uh, digging deeper, and we could definitely spend a lot more time here. I really want to thank you both for your interesting insights, your great contributions, uh, and for participating and sharing everything with our Gov Future podcast audience and uh, with our listeners. Thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate the opportunity and. Uh... Yeah, thanks so much for having us on. It's been great. Thank you for the opportunity and uh, really excited to continue our partnership and listening to future podcasts as well. Awesome. We are too. And yes, thank you so much. Listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure you to reach out to us if you'd like, you know, Uh, If there's anybody specific that you think that we should interview or topics you want us to discuss, and also make sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. We also would like if you subscribed to the podcast, you could get notified of all of our upcoming episodes as well. And as Ron mentioned, if you're interested in joining our GovFuture community, which will provide opportunities to collaborate with different government agencies, access to a diverse network of government innovators, exclusive access to events and resources, and a platform that you can have to help shape the future of government innovation and have a real voice and say in what we do, then go to govfuture.com slash join to sign up. As he mentioned, it's you know free for government. So please do make sure to reach out and sign up if you are. And if not, um, it's a small fee for industry because we, you know, we had said earlier, this really is a community and we want to make sure that we have all voices involved in this community. So Thank you so much. And for everybody that has already signed up, thank you for being a member. And anybody that's interested, definitely check it out. We've got great resources if you're looking to get more insights and details on a range of technology that we discussed in this podcast and other topics as well. Check out our resources, books, courses, checklists, explainer videos, webinars, and more at govfuture.com slash resources, tailored for our GovFuture listeners. Again, that's govfuture.com slash resources, and we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. To view this episode's show notes, find additional episodes, subscribe to this podcast, and join the fastest growing community of government innovators, go to govfuture.com slash podcast. This sound recording and its contents are copyright GovFuture, all rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening to the GovFuture podcast and catch you at the next episode.